welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you to the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports fan perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith, Andrew McKinnis, and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. It is Monday, June the 13th, and it is Ian Cameron with you as we get ready for a Stanley Cup final that, look, it's got all the intrigue, it's got all the storylines, uh, it's got all the uh, epic hype, I guess you could want, uh, for a Stanley Cup final. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, Colorado Avalanche, we're talking about, you know, the two-time defending champions, the Kings, you know, the people, that the, the lightning on the throne right now at the moment, and then the Colorado Avalanche, the new kids on the block, if you will, trying to dethrone them. And a Colorado team that, you know, they keep this core together, they're capable of winning multiple Stanley Cups, perhaps. So it's an incredible Stanley Cup final, just from a storyline perspective, let alone the kind of hockey we might see on the ice. So we'll break that down in just a bit. Uh, and we have another special guest. It's been a, a great uh really a month or so of special guests since the playoffs began. And we have another one joining us today, a former NHL defenseman, played with the Ottawa Senators, Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, many years ago, and now joining us here on the Ice Guys show on this Monday. We welcome in Brian Lee. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So talk about the Brian Lee hockey journey. You know, you've definitely, you talk about mental and physical <clears throat> adversity. I don't know if there's many people that have fought as much of that as you have throughout your past. So tell everybody about uh, your uh, hockey playing a journey to this point uh, and uh, also what you're doing a little bit right now post uh, playing. Yeah. So I grew up in Northern Minnesota, uh, played hockey here, which was a phenomenal experience. Um, being teammates with all your best friends who I still see to this day was phenomenal. Uh, went on to UND and played a couple years there. Um, you can see, Oh, the shoulder here you can see the painting over my shoulder um awesome by the way that senator's one wow i'm just looking at it it's gorgeous yeah. whoever did that did a unbelievable job wow yeah and there's a tampa one back there too um and lightning nice wow yeah. um so anyways went to und for a couple of years and we had uh phenomenal teams um jonathan taves tj oshi drew stafford matt's maybe taylor chorney um ryan duncan actually won the hobie baker award um a lot of guys that went on to have careers after college uh and uh i totally forgot travis zajac too a pretty decent player uh played great two-way game. player oh yes lots of years great years with new jersey yep. yep yeah so um tons of fun there for two years um good players good guys and then i had been drafted before i went to college by Ottawa. So left after my second year and then was kind of back and forth for a couple years with Ottawa and then wound up playing there for a while and then got traded to Tampa, played there for a couple years. And then finally I, I had had a couple knee surgeries when I was younger, but um, my knee kind of bugged me from the time I was 21 on. Um, so this would have been for you 2008 is really when it started to become a major problem and a recurring problem, right? Yeah, just uh, tough to train. Um, sometimes, you know, mentally wondering, worrying if it's going to hurt during the game or if you can do it, you need to do it at practice or working out that day. So kind of 
took its toll. And then finally, um, the issue that I was having, um, the, the piece in my knee kind of broke free, became unstable. So I had a couple surgeries and tried to come back and play. My knee got really sore to the point I went in and had some more imaging done. And the doctor said, um, that piece we tried to fix, uh, it, it didn't work. So you're going to walk away from hockey. Otherwise you're going to be wheeled away in a wheelchair. And I said, okay, sounds wow. like one. That, 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 and, and the reaction I'm sure is obviously devastating. Uh, you know, you put your life into playing mm-hmm. hockey and how, how long was the transition to like, you know what, this sucks, but now we've got to make the best of it. How long was the, uh, I don't want to say grieving period, nobody died, but at the same time, you know, this is something you poured your life, you poured your heart, your soul, everything into playing hockey for so many years. And now it's basically ripped away from you. I'm sure that's an adjustment and it's not something you got over easily or quickly. Yeah, it was tough. Um, luckily I, I had a really good support system, friends and family. I came home and went back to school to finish my degree and then met some of the guys, uh, I keep pointing the wrong direction, but I played hockey with at UND and, um, once I graduated, started my, my current job, medical sales with those guys, which has been a blast. And now having been a little further removed from, from playing hockey, I think it's important to be thankful and appreciative that I was able to to play and play at a high level versus being maybe bitter that I got robbed of uh, longevity and potentially maybe some more success if I would have been healthy, but it's all about perspective. So certainly happy that I was able to experience that. Yeah, absolutely. And you had some uh, very good years. You got to play with so many uh, great players, you know, whether it was Ottawa, because I think when, when you were with Ottawa, what was your first year with Ottawa was what, 2007 or 2008? Because I remember they played my Sabres two years in a row uh, in the playoffs there, 06, and we beat them the first year. Jason Palm and Bill's uh, now do you believe goal from uh, Rick Jennerette. Right. Uh, and then the year before they got us back, you know, it's kind of like a revenge series for Ottawa when they beat Buffalo in the East final that year. And they went to play Anaheim, obviously uh, in the Stanley cup final, but uh, was, was, were you part of those two teams or was it the year after you joined the Sens? Year after that. So yeah. when I first got there, they had just been to the final year before and they had um, the pizza line, Heatley, Spez and Alfie were there. Um, Wade Redden was there. Chris Phillips. Um, I played with, Jason Smith, Sergey Gonchar, Alex Kovalev, Eric Carlson, uh, Kyle Turris, just a ton of really, really impressively talented players and really good people too. Spez was still there, right, too, at the time, right, Spezza? Yeah, yep. Spez was there. He's an yeah. awesome guy. I just texted just him retired, later. of course. Yeah, yep. I, just, I just texted him after he had officially announced retirement and he's going to the front office. He'll do great at that. He's a hockey uh, Everybody says he watches hockey games. Like people want to get away from the rink sometimes, right? They're like, you know, I, I put in all this hours, these hours training and at practice, <laughs> meetings with the team, playing games, traveling, doing everything revolving around my hockey career. Sometimes when you're not playing or you have a day off, you want to get away, play vids, go golfing, take it, you know, just go out, out somewhere, do something else, watch a movie, watch Netflix, whatever. There's Jason Spezza watching more hockey. Or watching hockey games. Everybody tells me this guy's just watching more hockey games in his downtime. Yeah, I think uh, um, a lot of guys like to get away and, like you said, play golf or, or get away from the game. But he just loves the game so much, and that's probably a big part of why he's had so much success. 
Yeah, no question. A Cheshire Cat, one of our longtime uh, viewers and listeners in our uh, YouTube chat, is saying, "Tell Spets a thank you from us." Very nice. Very nice of you to say that. No, yeah, it was a great pro. Great pro he was. You know, professional. Uh, always, you know, came to ready to play. Uh, you know, bit his tongue when things didn't go his way, like with Babcock. We won't go into that disgrace again, where he got scratched yeah. on opening night, first night with his, with the Leafs. That was absolutely disgraceful, in my opinion. But I ranted about that enough. Uh, when it happened. Uh, but the bottom line is he was a pro about it. You know, he always took the high road. Uh, very, very good in terms of mentoring the younger players from everything I heard with the Leafs the last couple of years. It was obviously an absolute blast, I'm sure, for him to play for his hometown team, team he grew up cheering for. So it's a great end to a great career. And of course, when he was with Ottawa, uh, those early years, man, I mean, you talk about coming down on the right wing side and then just uh, the, the fake and then uh, ripping it top corner. That was the famous <clears throat> trademark classic Jason Spezza move. Hell, he even saw him busted out with success in Toronto, you know, Brian, in these last couple of years. So it's pretty actually good how I thought he played for the Leafs. I thought he gave them a pretty good couple of years. And of course, when he was with Ottawa back when you were there, just an outstanding player. Yeah, he was a stud for a long time. And even when he was in, in Toronto, he could still contribute and play. Um so, yeah, he had an awesome career, awesome guy. I'm just happy for him that he's going to move into the next career of his life, or the next chapter, excuse me. All right, so this is a list of players that I'm going to rhyme off, and then I'll mention what the common thread is. Corey Schneider, Ryan Suter, Dan Fritchie, who was actually on our show last year once, Dan <clears> Fritchie, <throat> Alex Goligoski, uh, Jake Dowell, which I actually tried to get him on the show this year, but he was busy. Rob Shrimp, Drew Stafford, former Sabre. Ryan Callahan. Hey, Callahan. Callahan Auto Parts. I always do that when I have Ryan Callahan, the old uh, 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 Chris uh, Farley movie from back in the day. Uh, Jack Johnson, Eric Johnson. Yeah, Johnson and Johnson, as we like to call them, who are actually just about to get ready to play for the Colorado Avalanche in the Stanley Cup final. TJ Oshie, Bobby Ryan, our very first guest of our Stanley Cup playoff shows, uh, was on those teams. Uh, Matt Niskanen, Blake Wheeler, Nate Gerby, Jack Skilly, Kyle Ocposo, James Van Riemsdyk, or as Don Cherry would call him, James Van Beesbrook uh, was on those teams. Justin Abdelkader, Trevor Lewis, who's with Calgary this past year, has been locked at the hip with Daryl Sutter, really, the last several years. And, of course, Patrick Kane, the one and only. That list of players are the players that Brian Lee, our guest today, played with for Team USA in the World Junior Hockey Championship for three years from a span of 2005 to 2007. Brian, that's a hell of a list of teammates you had. Yeah, tons of good players. We had really, really good teams for those three years. Sure did. Uh, no question about that. And uh, a lot of those guys still playing, too. It's it's incredible. I've had great careers. They've been uh, very successful. So it's been impressive to see. who uh, You said now there's going to be some names that I rhymed off a lot of the more well-known players. Is there anyone I didn't name on that list that was – a huge impact player for those teams that maybe flies under the radar that you said, wow, that guy really played well for us in those three tournaments. <clears throat> uh, did you forget TJ Oshie? Oh no, of course not. Oshie's in there. Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, I mean, was and is a stud. I played with him at UND as well. And he's a phenomenal hockey player, a phenomenal athlete, a phenomenal human being. Yep. And you know what? A, a guy that uh, I think thought was one of Washington's best players uh, this past year in the playoffs, he, they got bounced. I know by Florida uh, in the first round, but I thought Washington uh, ended. They ended up uh, playing uh, pretty well, and TJ Oshie in particular did uh, had a nice series there in that. But just yeah, just amazing teams. Yeah, we're 
anything World Junior, I'm an encyclopedia on it, Brian, because you know this this that tournament is just an institution in this country. I mean, it's it, people yeah. are glued to the television set year in and year out watching the uh, World Juniors. But it's nice to see that the other countries are really getting into it too. Like there's all and and then there's these people. Like I'm going to say it again. I had my rant a couple weeks ago. My fellow countrymen, Brian, are too harsh. They expect perfection from their from hockey because they think it's our sport. They think it's our game. They think it's our birthright to win all the time, always be first, always win gold. And when they don't win gold, like what happened at the World Hockey Championship, I got people saying, ah, this team's uh, disappointing, very dis dis disappointing. They should have made changes. They should have brought this guy over. Uh, this guy didn't play any well. What the hell? And I just went off. I'm like, you guys don't get it. You know, other countries are really good at this sport, too, and continue to get better at this sport, and especially over in Europe. Like, the U.S. is always a threat. Russia, we know, Czechs. But how about the improvements in Germany, ho German hockey, Latvian hockey, uh, De Denmark? Denmark, I mean, look at this country growing leaps and bounds. What Finland does for the piddly population size they have compared to the other countries, look at what they've done. Uh, in terms of growing their sport with their international program. So the idea that the Canadians are that friggin' arrogant uh, to think we're going to just step on the ice and win every international game and every international tournament is absolutely absurd. I mean, and, I, and I'm, I'm done listening to it. Uh, I'm sick of it, actually. It's, it's not the way we should be carrying ourselves. We support the boys. That's what we should be doing. They're busting their butt over there in the world a couple or a month ago, Brian. When they're just finished an 82-game season, they didn't have to go over there. They didn't have to say, you know what, we're going to go overseas and represent Canada here at the Worlds. you got aches and pains and bumps and bruises. you played a long NHL season. You're worn down. You're beaten down. You might want to end up spending time with your family in the offseason. But no, they still went over there, represented their country. Have some respect. You don't say they sucked. You don't say they stunk because, oh, they finished with silver. They finished runner-up instead of winning gold. It's absolutely ridiculous, and I didn't like it. There's a sentiment, not, not that the widespread Canadian population had that sentiment, but when you see three or four people on Twitter talking like that, and I just happen to see it, you know, it rubs you the wrong way. Yeah, totally agree. There's, there's a ton of good um, hockey-playing countries, and there's so many good hockey players coming up, young kids all the time now. So uh, anybody's, anybody's tournament, probably anybody's game, crazy. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, it is, uh, and it's great. I mean, it's not like 30 years ago now where Canada's beaten Finland 5-1 every time. You know, you got to deal with it. You know, Finland's good now, really good, and they keep getting better, and all these other countries too. So it's time to admit, if you're a Canadian, we got to work now to win these things, and that's to me a good thing because it's good for the sport. Uh, speaking of good for the sport, the Stanley Cup playoffs have been good for the sport because it's been some exciting hockey. Uh, before we get into the Stanley Cup final, and breaking that down and analyzing that specifically, how much of the playoffs have you gotten to see? And what's just your overall thoughts on the playoffs through the first uh, three rounds? I've watched a game just about every night for the last, what's it been now, a month and a half. Um, the game. So you're not month. much of a regular season viewer, it sounds like. Uh, I like to catch up on the highlights the next morning and maybe read the, um, the breakdown on, you know, who won, who scored, whatever, but. I don't watch a ton of games, but I've watched a game just about every night, and they have been unbelievable games. Um, the Tampa-Toronto series was phenomenal. Um, in the West, the Edmonton-Calgary series was a great series, maybe a little shorter than especially you up in Canada would have liked, but a great series, and I'm looking forward to the final for sure, Colorado-Tampa. 
Yeah, absolutely. Is it, how incredible to you is it? We'll start with t- just the individual teams before we look at the head-to-head. But Tampa Bay, how incredible is it that they're back here for a third consecutive Stanley Cup final? Uh, because just from someone that uh, watches the you know NHL from afar has never played the the game really like me, but I've watched it for thirty years, so I'd like to think my acumen's pretty decent for someone that's just been watching it you know for that long. But you know when I look at Tampa Bay. And I look at the fact that they've gone through a, two long, grueling Stanley Cup runs. One of them was in that bubble, and it was very difficult during the COVID-19 pandemic to go through that, isolated, and still be focused on the task at hand, play good, and win a Stanley Cup. And then last year, you turn around quickly. I think that ended in October or something when they beat Dallas. You turn around, you start in January. The very next year, you go, I think, till August it was, uh, and you win the uh, Stanley Cup final uh, late in the summer. And then you turn around and now you're playing a full season this year. I mean, you think about all the hockey they've played in such a condensed period of time in three seasons. And here they are still with the the physical and mental guts and will and fortitude and strength, if you will, to get to a third consecutive Stanley Cup final. Now, they were pushed, obviously, by they nearly could have lost in the first round uh, against Toronto, who pushed them significantly. But then they swept Florida. It was a bad-looking start to the series against the Rangers uh, in the Eastern Conference Final, but they, uh, you know, they secured home ice. They won Game Three, they won Game Four, and then they ended up winning the next two games and winning four straight in that series after losing the first two. And now here they are back there. And what's impressive, Brian, is they are a complete team now, and they've learned how. You know what? In the years where they struggled, where they fell short of the Cup Final before winning these last two, they would take a lead in the game, Brian. And I noticed they would keep going for more. They would get greedy. You know, they'd try to open it up, try to make it. If they were up 4-2, to two, they'd try to get, make it 5-2, two, 6-2. Two, where now they get a lead, it's all defense first. It, it's, you know, trying to make sure we, we tighten things up. We make sure we protect the lead. Uh, we block a ton of shots. We make it difficult to get pucks through. That, to me, is amazing how great they are at making it difficult to make, get pucks through on them. But it's a complete team. And Stamco said it well the other night. He said every member first line to fourth line, one through six D, even the seventh defenseman who doesn't play every night, he says they matter on this team. They are a part of the puzzle. They are a part of what makes this team go and what makes this team successful. Complete team, it really is, top to bottom, front to back, with great coaching too. Yeah, totally. I think if you look at uh, the individual components of that team, you know, Stamkos, Hedman, Kucherov, Braden Point, Ryan McDonough, who is, I think, as good as he is and as much as he's talked about is probably underrated because he is an absolute stud. Um, Sergachev, Anthony Sorelli, Alex Kalorn, Andre Palat, who's also um, probably not talked about as much or as often as he should be, but just an absolute stud. And then you factor in uh, the coaching staff, John Cooper, who I got to play for briefly in Tampa before I had to retire. Um, who's the only head coach I've ever seen or played for who all the guys respected him, which is the most important thing as a head coach, but everybody liked him as well. He just has them buying into that, that team mentality, defend till the end. Um, They play the right way. Not even after they get up a goal, they play the right way the whole game. They're just committed defensively. And because of that, they get their chances offensively and just um, it's incredible what they've been able to do. It is incredible, and I think you're the, you know, the third guest we've had that have had some kind of, albeit brief, tie to John Cooper in some form. Uh, so it's it's pretty remarkable. And they all say the same thing, just a, a Coop. They call him Coop. That's a great guy to play for. Yeah. Uh, that's all. That's definitely been the uh, common sentiment. So Tampa Bay is a very, very worthy 
opponent here, an adversary in the Stanley Cup final. Obviously, they're going for their third consecutive Stanley Cup. But on the flip side, you've got this up-and-coming, extremely fast, dynamic, explosive Colorado Avalanche team uh, that is um, just impressive to watch. I mean, I, I can't say enough about this group, whether it's McKinnon, Ranton, and Landeskog, the big three uh, up front. You know, there's actually whispers. I can't believe we're get, we're in this situation because I thought for sure season was over for him. That Nazem Kadri might actually play in this Stanley Cup final. I just saw it yesterday that he actually could even play in game one. Not for sure yet. They're going to play it day by day, Jared Bednar and the coaching staff. But that would be remarkable because a lot of people said his season was done with uh, the hit he took from Evander Kane uh, in the uh, Western Conference final against Edmonton. That would be huge. Uh, if they were able to get him back because he was just playing outstanding in that second line center spot. And then all of a sudden, if he comes back, Brian, you slide JT Comfer, a very good center to his regular third line spot. And you've got, you talk about strength down the middle and depth down the middle, which is imperative for success at any time, especially in the playoffs. Colorado's got that intact again. You know, if they can find a way to get Kadri back in the uh, series, and even if they don't for a game or two and Comfer's got to move up, He's capable. Look what Comfort did against St. Louis and at times against Edmonton. He's a very good hockey player. So they've got incredible depth up front. But to me, I want to talk about the blue line. You're a defenseman, and you have a, you're a good person to ask this. I've never seen a one through six blue line for Colorado do what they do for any other team. I've never seen another team be able to do what these guys can do one through six on the blue line. Um, it's just unbelievable. The speed, the ability to – this is – you know, back in the day – when I started watching hockey, just a little kid in the 90s, when you jumped the defenseman into the rush, when the defenseman pinched into the rush and, and jumped into the play, you had to be down a goal or two in the third period. That's the only time you would see it. Now Colorado's doing it every shift, even with the scoreless game, tie game. They're leading in the game. You're still seeing them play that way. It is unreal how it's a five-man wave, a five-man attack, a five-man unit every single time offensively including the defenseman jumping into the play. And why can they afford to do that? Because you think, why do you, you jump your defenseman into the rush every play? Aren't you going to get caught? Aren't you going to give up those rush chances, those transition chances, and get burned at the other end? Not when you skate like the wind, like one through six they do on that Colorado blue line, because you can get back in defensive posture and positioning You know when you take those chances, even if there's a turnover at the opposition blue line. You can get yourself back in proper position because you've just got this unbelievable skating ability, which Kale McCarr has, which Devon Taves has, which I think Bo Byram has. He can skate wonderfully as well. Sam Girard, before he got injured with the broken sternum, he's a great skater. Even the Johnsons, you know, Eric and Jack, they're no slouches with their ability to get up the ice, in my opinion. And of course, Josh Manson, I think he's a solid skater as well from what I've seen. Uh, and they got him, of course, from Anaheim. It was a great pickup. Brian, what do you think of that blue line? To me, one through six, they can do things that I don't know if another team can do one through six defensively. <clears throat> yeah, um, I think their group is impressive. And I think both teams in the final, you know, Tampa and Colorado have a really, really impressive back end. Um, but watching Kale McCarr, you know, Devontae is really impressive as well. But Kale McCarr gets you out of your seat when he picks the puck up. The things he can do sliding the offensive blue line, um, jumping in and out of the play, just how he freezes guys, you know, like a little pump fake, a little head fake, whatever, guys who are really good NHL players, he makes them look silly sometimes. Um, really, really fun to watch 
that team and especially those uh, those top end guys. Kale McCarr is getting compared to Bobby Orr, you know, by people. I mean, that's that's like high praise. And look, uh, we just hope he plays a little bit longer than Bobby did. Yeah, uh, you know, sure. another man that had his in- rear cut short with injuries. But you know, if K- Kale McCarr has got that, like I don't know if there's people that say. You know, he's got Paul Coffey and Bobby Orr in him, and I definitely agree with that. Those are two amazing comparisons. Kale McCarr to those two great defensemen, Paul Coffey and Bobby Orr. But the fact now that they say he's probably going to be better than Coffey for sure, and he might even be as good or better than Bobby Orr, that is unbelievable ceiling for this guy. You know, if he can maintain this kind of level and keep going for, you know, three, five, ten years, I mean, we could be talking about one of the – one of we could be talking about the best defensemen, seriously – uh, of all time. I mean, I, I, if, if he continues this trajectory, because what I'm seeing him doing, Brian is insane. It's sick. It's, it, it's, it's wicked. Uh, the, the play of him and, and it's just poise. And the fact that he can rush, you know, up the ice, he can go on a breakaway. He's got an elite finishing ability as well around the net with some of these highlight real goals. That's a defenseman. That's got elite hands and elite finishing ability around the net. Unheard of. Yeah, he's impressive. Uh, I think I saw a stat that he and you needed to play like, let's say, I don't know, 20 playoff games, points per game. He's only behind uh, Coffee and Bobby Orr. Is that correct? It or was he surprised me. I'd have to double check. But yeah, yeah. he's he's been impressive um, in the playoffs and just in general. I think he should win the Norris Trophy. Uh, Yossi had an unbelievable year in, in Nashville and he's a stud too, but I don't think there's any doubt that Cam McCarr should win the Norris this year and probably for lots of years to come. No doubt. And then there's Devon Taves, who's been a terrific fit with Cam McCarr on that top pair uh, on the Colorado Me. blue line. Uh, and then I have to listen to the old man Lou Lamorello in the offseason. I've said this a bunch too. Talk about how, oh, you know what? This year we had a tough year, you know, bad start to the year. We were on the road, got back in our new building. We had COVID and injuries. But one of the things that really hurt us, he said, was we didn't really have enough offense from the blue line. Hello, Lou. You had Devon Taves on your team. You had him for a few years. You didn't bring him back. You didn't re-sign him. He went to Colorado. You had someone. <laughs> and you let him get away. Oh, my goodness. Uh, bemo- like imagine that, bemoaning no offense, not enough offense from the blue line, and you had Devon Taves on the team, and you let him go. And, and now look what he's doing here for the uh, Colorado Avalanche this year. Uh, absolutely outstanding a year absolutely you're right rich h in our chat what a gift of a trade the tapes was yeah it was you know you let them get away uh very it's colorado's benefit islanders you know obviously maybe want to do over on that but too late for that now i think bowen byram's got an incredible future ahead of him too uh for the avalanche on that blue line and you mix those three you know up and coming young blue chip defensemen with the, a little sprinkle of veteran uh experience you know, ability to grit, to play a little defensively, which Eric Johnson can do. Jack Johnson can do that. Josh Manson's a great player in his own end as well with a little bit of upside in terms of skating ability, and he can even shoot the puck too a little bit. I mean, the blue line's just phenomenal for Colorado. goes without saying. But then there's the Tampa Bay blue line, Brian, and they've got – they're not as flashy as Colorado's, but, man, they've got winners. they got guys that just know how to win. They get it done. And as Cheshire Cat in our uh, chat says – you know, it's unbelievable. Victor Hedman played every game this season, every one. Didn't get hurt. Didn't miss a game. Unbelievable. You talk about Iron Man status. I mean, but my goodness. And you factor that on top of all the games he's played the last two years. In fact, he played every game this season. It's just absolutely remarkable. But you've got him. You've got Ryan McDonough, 
It's terrific still. You know, Hedman and McDonough are a great one too. And don't underestimate Sergachev. You know, who's gonna? He's been a huge component of these successful two or three seasons in a row for Tampa. And the shot blocking machine. You know, the brick wall that is Eric Chernak. How many times you're gonna see this guy uh, put his uh, body on the line uh, to block a shot here uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning? No, they've just got a, a outstanding defense. They bring back Zach Bogosian, who was with the Leafs uh, last year. Uh, he comes in with uh, Tampa, and he ends up scoring, I believe, a goal or uh, two for them uh, during that Rangers series. And he's paired. And then they've got, you know, uh, Jan Ruda as well, who's been in and out with injuries. But if he doesn't play, they can go to Cal Foot, the son of Adam Foot. I mean, it's just it's a pretty damn good blue line too in Tampa, isn't it, Brian? Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. Uh, both teams are just loaded on D. Uh, I mean, up front and defensively, which it makes sense why they're in the final. But um, yeah, if you look at Tampa's decor, uh, Hedman, Norris Trophy winner, Ryan McDonough, previous captain for the Rangers, absolute stud, has blocked the most shots all time in the playoffs. Um, gets it done offensively, gets it done defensively. I don't think he gets enough credit for how good he is, um, and he gets a lot of credit, so that, that's saying something. Mikhail Sergachev um, had the big game, was that game five, I think, against the Rangers. He scored the goal, and then the other one went in off Palat shin pads. <clears throat> um, Zach Bogosian has kind of had a nice little renaissance to his career, can really uh, skate and defend well still. He's a big, strong guy. He has a physical um, yep. aspect to his game. Puts you down on your keister. That's good. You like that? Yep. Yeah. I mean, just a uh, really impressive both teams, their decors, and it's uh, like big guys like Chernak and Manson defend physically, you know, they're hard on guys, which I think you need. But then you have guys like Hedman and Sergachev and Makar and uh, Devon Taves is maybe a little more physical, but they skate so well that their gaps are just so tight and perfectly set up all the time. And that's why they're able to defend so well as well. Yeah, it is. I mean, this uh, you can talk about the forwards uh, all you want, and, and it's going to be a great matchup up front as well. But I think the blue line matchup's even more exciting for me. And, you know, the common hockey fan is always you glued to the, the forwards, the top line, the second line, the forwards. I'm glued to the defensemen in this series because I think uh, both of them, uh, they bring a lot to the table, and I think it's going to help make this series good. I think it's very close the blue line. I just think that Colorado, as we get into the series specifically now, Stanley Cup final, there it is. Tampa Bay Lightning, Colorado Avalanche. Uh, current series price, very interesting. Colorado minus 180 series favorite here against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, or plus 155 uh, in terms of the uh, series price here uh, in the Stanley Cup final. This is um, this is a series where I'm, I'm going to stick to my guns and I'm going to still say Colorado gets it done. I, I am. And I know I'm going against a two-time defending champion. I'm going against a team that just knows how to win tight games, close games. They just find a way. Get that extra goal. Make that extra play. Get that extra save. Get that big penalty kill late in the game. Whatever the case may be, the Tampa Bay Lightning have shown you time and time again the ability to do that. And Colorado, we don't know in a Stanley cup final yet, if they're able to do that. But we know Colorado has shown enough now this year after the second round being their, you know, albatross, if you will, you couldn't get past it. They finally did this year. And I think the difference for Tampa Bay, especially when you compare this opponent to the New York and Florida series, even Toronto, Toronto has got a mobile blue line, but nothing 
like Colorado brings, and that's that blue line mobility. This is a completely different animal for Tampa Bay to handle. And this, people are, have always said to me, Ian, you keep on talking about all the games they've played. Does it look like it's bothering Tampa Bay, you know, that they played seven games against Toronto, they played six against uh, Florida, or sorry, six against New York. They did sweep Florida, which did help them actually yep. get a little break there. But they played those games. They played, obviously, all 82. They have long playoff runs the last two years. Come on, you're making too much of a big deal of the fatigue factor. You know, does it look like it's bothering them? Perhaps I am. But, if, man, if there's ever a series that that's going to be put to the test, whether they've got the physical stamina still and, and fight this fatigue issue, it's going to be in this series where that's put to the test against Colorado. They are going to try to turn this into a track meet. In my opinion, they're going to try to quicken the pace. They're going to try to get it north-south as quickly as possible. You, you watch that puck, it's going to be like a bullet right up the ice because they're going to try to get the wear these guys out, you know, because they know they've played a shit ton of hockey, you know, the last two or three years. So I think that's definitely going to be a, a game plan and a strategy for Jared Bednar and the Avs. Try to wear these guys out, get them moving left to right, laterally, you know, the, the scene passes, you know, that takes a toll on you, that wears you down. And I think Colorado, see, the Rangers were trying to do that, but they don't think the game, to me, as good as Colorado does. You know, they were trying to look for the pretty play, the Rangers, and Colorado sometimes is victimized by doing that instead of maybe shooting it more. But they are just so much better with the execution of those pretty plays, where it's just they think the game at a high level of speed. There was someone in our chat, Brian, they said, you know the goal in against Edmonton where it was they were looking for an offside? And Kale McCarr had it at the blue line, and yeah. they, were, they called it a good goal. There were people that said that wasn't accidental. That was Kale McCarr actually thinking at the moment, hey, if I get my stick away from this puck and let my, <laughs> that my teammate here get back on side and then touch the puck, this he that people actually thought he thought at that moment in a split-second decision to do that, and it was all calculated. And if that's the case, man, Kale McCarr's hockey IQ is un unbelievable if that's true. Yeah, if that's the case, he's playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was I was shocked that goal counted, but then when they went over the rule afterwards, it totally makes sense. Um, and you were talking about uh, you think Colorado's going to win the series, but it's tough to bet against Tampa. I'm going to go with what Denny Potvin always says. Uh, he was the color guy when I was in Ottawa, super nice guy, always good to talk to. He says never bet against Florida Tampa. for many years too, yep. Yep. Never bet against the champs, and I just think um, Colorado is high-flying, and they score a ton of goals. <clears throat> like you said, it'll be a fun series to watch. But I think Tampa Bay is just so committed defensively, um, and they just manage the game appropriately, and they do the right things. So if I was a, a betting person, I would bet on Tampa, um, and I'm just hoping for a good series. Yeah, and of course, if you like Tampa Bay, and Brian certainly sounds like he does here, uh, to win their third straight title. And look, I, like I say to everybody at this stage, it's a Stanley Cup final. You can't ever say to someone, hey, you're a moron for liking Tampa Bay, or hey, you're a moron for liking Colorado. I mean, these are two uh, outstanding hockey teams, and you got to pick one. You know, if you're certainly if you're going to get involved from a betting standpoint, you have to pick one. Uh, and certainly when I look at this here, I don't love, I'll admit, I don't love the price for Colorado. You know, the idea of laying minus 180 with them uh, is not exactly the best. <laughs> Uh, appealing price tag in the world. Uh, make no mistake about it. But I just think at the end of the day, this is going to be a completely different type of opponent for Tampa Bay to have to deal with, especially in the course of a seven-game series with that blue line mobility. Let's see them try to defend five guys at all times. 
Tampa Bay. That's definitely something that was not something they didn't see too much against the Rangers, something they didn't see a whole lot against Florida and Toronto. You know, they, they will jump in uh, at times, but not every shift, not what Colorado does. And, you know, so this is going to be the ultimate, I guess, uh, test here for uh, Tampa Bay. And I think another thing, too, is stars versus stars. The one thing that scares you if you're Colorado, Brian, Stamp goes playing the way he did against New York. Kucherov down the stretch. Look what they got from those two guys. Andre Palat's just a tear. The player props that, I, uh, that I've that i been betting and winning with the most, Brian, and it's unbelievable how undervalued he is, is Andre Palat. Andre Palat had scored a point in every home playoff game going into game six on Saturday night against the Rangers. Do you know what his price was, Brian, just to get a point in his player prop? Minus 130. That should have been closer to minus 200. You're talking about a guy that has had a point in every home playoff game, and all it was for him to get one stinking point in game six on Saturday night was minus 130. So it's just uh, that's also proof why hockey is a great sport to bet. Odds makers, Brian, I'll tell you this right now, they do not put half the amount of attention and effort into hockey betting lines, setting them accurately, setting them appropriately compared to you-know-what, football, basketball, some of the other sports. And, hey, it's fine with me. I'll take advantage. And that was one of those just glaring, glaring errors, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, for sure. He's a stud. Uh, you were talking about having to defend a wave of five as you know, Tampa is going to be facing a really – offensively skilled team uh, with a really good back end in Colorado. I do think if you look to the New York series, um, Tampa did struggle a little bit to contain Adam Fox. He made a couple of phenomenal plays, especially in their early wins. Uh, I think it was game two when he got that kind of cross seam pass down to the left face off circle, pumped a shot, kind of took a step back and then slid it back door and the guy kind of had a backdoor tap in. So it will be interesting to see how they can defend Colorado's active defenseman in this series. Um, similar to how they defended Morgan Riley and the Toronto series. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a phenomenal matchup. Again, let's keep our eye on the injury situations as well because Braden Point, we haven't talked about him yet, but yeah, Braden Point, we know he's Mr. Clutch. He is just an unbelievably big-time performer uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, He just finds a way to elevate. You know, there's just certain players where our game's at this level, the old Letterkenny line, we're at this level. We have to take it up to this level. And Braden Point is able to do that uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He can just go from, you know, a solid regular season to just an incredible playoffs. Uh, And they've missed him. You know, I know they've gotten this far without him the last. He didn't play in the Florida series or the Rangers series, but this series they'll need him. And there is a chance we'll see Braden Point back for game one uh, on Wednesday night. And as we said for Colorado, rather surprising, but, you know, the likes of Nazem Kadri and Cogliano as well was uh, banged up a little bit at the end of the series against Edmonton. Uh, both of them might be able to return, if not for game one, at least at some point uh, here in the Stanley Cup final, which would be significant. So as far as uh, we'll get into game one specifically uh, on Wednesday's show. Uh, uh, so that's when we'll talk about that. Ian Miller, another Ian, by the way, is going to be a guest uh, on the show uh, on uh, Wednesday uh, with us for game one. But you look at um, the series overall. What I'm going to do is I'm going to do the game one series double because um Without giving it away, well, I am giving it away saying this, but I actually do think Tampa Bay could win game one. And for the same reason why I thought the New York Rangers could win game one against Tampa Bay 
in the Long East layoffs. final. Nine-day layoff. You can talk about that, Brian. Every player says that nine days is too much. You, you want the rest. You want three days, five days, even mm. six days. Once you get over a week off, nine days without playing, especially when you're thrust into the high intensity uh, of a Stanley Cup playoff, a Stanley Cup final game here, uh, you're just not in sync. You're not sharp. We saw it right away. Brian, Tampa Bay in game one against the Rangers off the nine-day layoff. Chris Kreider all alone in the slot. How does that happen? A massive blunder defensively in like the first minute of game one, and it's one nothing Rangers. And from that point on, they just that, that whole game, they did not look like the, the, the crisp, sharp, on top of their game, Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm worried about that now for Colorado, Brian, here in game one on Wednesday night. Nine days off since they swept Edmonton. Uh, last Monday, and I think that could be a detriment to them Wednesday night. Yeah, I think it's uh, difficult, if not impossible, to replicate the speed, the emotion, the intensity that you find in you know in a playoff game alone, let alone this deep in the playoffs in practice when you're competing against your teammates, your buddies. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Colorado came out maybe a little sluggish, a little um, not sharp, uh, and you know I'm biased i would like to see tampa win and go for a three-peat so i i kind of hope they come out sharp fresh off this recent series and look to take advantage of Colorado early yeah exactly for see he's got that mindset of me uh because i'm thinking first period especially uh for tampa bay uh in game one because i think that's where their greatest edge is the first 20 minutes i mean colorado in that first 20 that's really when they could you know just with getting back on the ice after nine days uh, in a Stanley Cup final game, it, it definitely could be a little bit of an issue for them. So uh, it, it's going to be fascinating, but you're right. I think game one is there for the taking if Tampa Bay plays well and if Colorado has maybe those issues ramping it up again you know, after nine uh, days off following sweeping Edmonton. So that's an interesting dynamic. So I'm, I'm not taking the series price at the moment. I, I, I like Colorado to win the series. But I ain't going to lay minus 180. What I am going to do is I'm going to take a shot with the game one series double. Tampa Bay to win game one. Colorado to win the series at plus 400 is the price with that. Uh, so again, that's Tampa to win game one, but Colorado to win the series. That's plus 400. So I, I think that's something that makes sense because I think Tampa could st- take game one with the layoff and then Colorado's better in game two. They work the kinks out. Uh, and for the rest of the series, uh, they're pretty good. And we know Colorado can win on the road. They've been a phenomenal road team, Brian, in these playoffs. Have they lost on, on the road in the playoffs? I don't know if they have. I mean, I'm pretty sure they're undefeated on the road here in the <clears throat> playoffs, Colorado. I'll confirm that right now, but I'm pretty sure they're Did undefeated. Did they lose a game in St. Louis on the road? Yes, they won every game in St. Louis. And obviously, they swept Nashville. They yeah. won every game in St. Louis. And yeah, they swept Edmonton. They swept Edmonton, yeah. too, yeah. They've won every they're, road game. They're they're uh, they're a really good team, period, not just on the road, in the playoffs yeah. and in general. They're, they're loaded with talent, with... Uh, tons of studs. It'll be a great series. It will be. And absolutely. That's why I, I put this theory behind one of my colleagues. And he said, well, if you'd like Tampa Bay to win game one, how the hell could you like Colorado to win the series? No one they're going to have to win in Tampa. I'm try, trying to tell the guy, have you not seen the way they've played on the road in the playoff? You don't think Colorado's capable of winning one or two or even three road games? They won both road games in Nashville, which look, Nashville had issues this year. They were down to their third goalie. You know, with Saros out, they had what Connor Ingram and Big Siv Dave, as I call him, not Save Siv Dave Riddick, because he's not very good. Uh, but you know, and they struggled, uh, Nashville, but still, it's a tough place to play. St. Louis is a great team, Stanley Cup pedigree, 
experienced team. That's a tough building. They had a great home record this year. St. Louis and Colorado won all three games there. So I'm trying, this notion that we can't win in Tampa Bay, Colorado, is a bunch of garbage, in my opinion. Of course they can. They've proven it here uh, in the uh, playoffs. So I was shocked when I heard that from – and it's a good friend of mine, too. I'm like, come on. You don't think Colorado can win games in Tampa in this series? you got to be kidding me. Yeah, it'll be a great series. I don't know that home ice matters a ton uh, with veteran teams like Tampa and Colorado, but um, probably look to Tampa, look for Tampa to come up with some extra jump and some juice early in game one. And then you probably look for Colorado to have that same jump uh, early in game three and four when they're at home and then see how the, the dice shake out. All right. Now we'll get into individual player props later in the, you know, when we have our, our shows, our ice guys shows the day of the game, you know, we break down each individual game, but Brian, just players to watch out for, for Tampa and for Colorado, in your opinion, who are players that you think are going to light up the score sheet points, uh, assists, goals, uh, who are going to be those offensive difference makers and don't be scared to pick someone maybe in a third line or a fourth line or even someone down the lineup a little bit that might be an unsung hero here. But who are some players you're targeting to have offensively impactful series for these two teams? Uh, well, I'll answer your question with a question. How many guys can I pick? Because there's so much offensive firepower <laughs> on both teams. Palat stands out for me for Tampa just because it's just he's a point machine right now. Uh, we're not talking about necessarily scoring goals. We're just talking about points as well and just chipping in, and he's been doing that. Yeah, Palat, uh, obviously Kucherov, Stammer, um, offensive studs. You know they're going to come through regardless uh, whether it's, you know, if they have an off game or they have a slow period, they're going to get their their points, their goals, their assists. Um, <clears throat> I think Braden Point, when he comes back, will be a big factor in the series. He is kind of the engine for that team. Um, he's so fast. He just hounds the puck. He makes things happen. So I think he'll he'll factor in. And then uh, at the blue line, I would look to Ryan McDonough and Victor Hedman. I mean, all the obvious picks here, um, but they're just too good with, with Hedman being on that top power play unit. And Ryan McDonough just seems to come up with clutch uh, goals, assists. If you look back in the last couple of playoffs, he's had that backdoor seam pass i think to kucherov late in a game uh to win a game um just a really really strong player if i'm going to go off the board for tampa i would maybe look to alex Kalorn, who typically is a stud in the playoffs and hasn't had a ton of success offensively although he's been great in that shutdown role last series with the Kreider and zabanajad line with his new line with sorelli and hagel i think um for Colorado, if Kadri comes back, he was having a phenomenal playoffs and, you know, uh, the nice icing on the cake of a really, really phenomenal season. So I'd look to It'll him. just be about can he find that rhythm again that he was in, yes. Yeah, but he, I mean, he's a veteran guy. He's been around a long time. I would think that he should be able to come back and get to it pretty quick. It was a thumb injury, so I'm sure he still has his legs. He was able to skate and keep working out. Obviously, uh McKinnon, Landis Cog have been hot and will continue to be hot. Taves and McCarr, we've talked about them the whole show. I think they'll have a phenomenal series. I think that Byram um, might be a guy that if, if he's undervalued, you could look to him. And maybe even uh, Rantanen, who I think had a couple goals late in that series, um, has kind of picked up his offensive output recently. Yeah, th those are those are those are good calls. I'm going to throw out a couple that are a little bit, you know, under the radar. For Tampa, there's two that stand. There's a few that stand out. There's actually four. 
that look, everyone's going to flock to prop player props for Kucherov, Stamkos, Point if he comes back. You know, Hedman. Uh, it goes without saying. All the Palat certainly is is worth it because of just he's been automatic. But I think players that could really do damage, especially when you think of the fact you know the top lines could get taken away at times. Four guys for Tampa: Nick Paul, who's had a terrific year, uh, great two way player. He's been a threat shorthanded. It seems every time Tampa's been on the penalty kill. How many times has that guy been busting in for almost a shorthanded chance? Like he's been absolutely dread. He's going to get paid in the offseason. He's a UFA. Tampa's not going to be able to afford him, but he's going to get good money somewhere. Yes, uh, he is. Yeah, he will, and, and he's been great as a two-way player, and he's earned it. Uh, yep. No quite. Ross Colton's another. Brandon Hagel really started to get some chances late in that New York series. Uh, they got him from Chicago. Uh, don't sleep on Brandon Hagel for uh, Tampa Bay. It's just I got that you know spidey sense, you know, if you will, that he might make something happen uh, because look at the last four games of that Rangers series. Five, three, two, four shots on goal uh, in the last game as well. So he's gotten the shot attempts, the shot chances. Brandon Hagel for Tampa Bay. And the other one that I mentioned, of course, is he snake bit. He had a million chances to score in that Rangers series. And he didn't really get in, uh, get in, get on the scoreboard much. But if he keeps doing what he's doing and crashing the net and being the pest that he is, Corey Perry might end up. Uh, making an impact at some point here for uh, Tampa Bay. As far as Colorado goes, for I'm talking about value players, you know, not the usual suspects. For me, that's Lekkonen, who's, I think, a very capable playoff performer. That's Comfer on that third line who showed you a lot uh, this year. Uh, don't even be scared to look at someone like Darren Helm, who actually, you know, is a great two-way player. I know he's only on the fourth line, but scored the game-winning goal in, against St. Louis uh, in game six. I think he's been more of a, threat offensively you know the last several games so keep an eye on all of those players you know you get more value in the prop market with some of the players that not only brian mentioned but those ones too for me as well uh that if you're going to go in that direction for props in a game by game standpoint so brian likes tampa bay uh to win the stand is that your final answer tampa bay for sure never bet against champs there you go all right we'll go head to head on this one i like colorado but i do like tampa in game one and we'll get into that more on Wednesday, but I do like Colorado to come back uh, and win the series. Uh, oh, and the last thing, goaltending matchup. We almost, can you believe that? We almost didn't touch on the goaltending matchup. Look, Kemper might be back. Franco's played well in his absence, I thought. Maybe the last between those two. Yeah. I mean, he didn't play great in game four, Franco's, but he played very well most of that series up to that point. Kemper might be back from the eye issue. <clears throat> He's had a great season. But even as someone that likes Colorado in this series, Brian, how do you not give the goalie edge to Andre Vasilevsky? How do you not? 100%. I mean, if you look at that Rangers series, uh, Igor Shesterkin, who had a phenomenal season and most likely will win the Vesna, was phenomenal in that series and did his best to steal them game six, which I thought could have been, uh, I was just talking about it today at work, uh, five, six, one game probably, but he just made a ton of saves. But Vasilevsky just elevates his level in the big moments, makes the big saves he needs to, keeps the team in the game, and then you just know they're going to grind away, grind away, get their chance, and and get it done. So I think that's the one big edge that Tampa has in the series is goaltending, and obviously goaltending is the great equalizer um, in hockey. So huge, huge edge to Tampa there. And watch out if he gets the chance to eliminate an opponent here in this series because he's been automatic, like zero, either a shutout or one goal allowed 
in the last eight, I think, right? He's let up two goals total. Yeah. Yeah. Not a bad record there. That's going to help your goals against and your save percentage in elimination games. Doing that repeatedly, is it not? Wow. Unbelievable stuff uh, from Vasilevsky. And look, yeah, you got to give him the edge over Kemper. Kemper's going to be interesting to watch. This is the pressure of a Stanley Cup final. He's coming back from an injury if he plays. He's had a terrific season overall for Colorado. Make no mistake about it. But I found just before he got hurt against St. Louis, a couple goals that started to go in that you're like, oh, he let that one in. Really? I mean, just a couple of those and did worry me a little bit. So, and I'm still sticking. See, I'm sticking with Colorado though, in spite of that. I, I am concerned about the goalie matchup a little bit. You got a uh, Darcy Kemper, never been in this spot before, coming off an injury, had a great season, but didn't exactly play at his absolute best the couple games before he got hurt against St. Louis in the second round. And, and now he's coming into the pressure cooker of a Stanley Cup final for this franchise against the best goalie in the world, quite possibly in Andre Vasilevsky. So it's going to be good. We'll see if Kemper's up for it, Brian, right? But this is big, big, big step up here for him. Yeah, it'll be a good test um, for the goalies, for the teams. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Colorado's coaching staff handles it uh, as the first time in the final. Um, obviously, I'd, you'd have to give the edge there to uh, to Cooper and his staff as well, having been there and, and won a couple cups. But it seems like Bednar and his staff are doing a great job too. So it'll be a very, very exciting series. I will say this though: just if you look at just some of the advanced numbers, which we, you know, we try to pay attention to them. Expected goal four percentage in the playoffs: Colorado at fifty-seven, Tampa Bay at fifty-four. So there is an edge there for Colorado uh, in, in that regard. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, so that that to me is pretty significant when you look at these two teams. That's always something you want to factor in. They've generated more and they've actually given up less in the high danger looks, believe it or not, Colorado. So interesting with that expected goal percentage in their favor here uh, against uh, Tampa Bay. But again, uh, the stats don't bear out just the heart and the will and just how Tampa Bay has been a get it done team, you know, repeatedly this year and in the last couple of years. Should be a great uh, Stanley Cup final, no question. Uh, and we're looking forward to it. Uh, this great show, Brian, absolutely amazing. Uh, great insight, uh, great guest, uh, gave us a, a great viewpoint, uh, definitely from the uh, player perspective, which we always like with a lot of the guests that we have had uh, on the uh, show. Uh, before we wrap it up, I do want to mention DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers bet just $1 on any NHL team, get $150 in free bets if they win. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available uh, in your uh, state or province, you can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN, bet just $1 on any NHL team, get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, must be 21 years of age or older, must reside in a DraftKings Sportsbook state or province. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Download the DraftKings app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN. All right, Brian, great stuff. Uh, thanks for joining us on the Ice Guys show. And just some final words before we wrap it up. Uh, thank you very much for having me, first off, and looking forward to uh, another great series uh, to wrap up what's been a phenomenal playoffs. 
Absolutely. We appreciate Brian Lee joining us here on the Ice Guys Show. Hit the like button if you're watching on YouTube on the way out. A reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. No show tomorrow. Just uh, make sure you're aware of that. Our next, our no live show tomorrow. We're doing a pre-recorded one with someone. But Wednesday is our next live show, 2 p.m. Eastern, and we'll get you ready for Game One of the Stanley Cup Final. And it's also our next live betcast uh, on Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. We will have an Ice Guys live betcast for Game One of the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, so if you want to join us on the betcast, just DM me or send me an email, and we make sure we'll make sure you get the link and you're able to join us for the uh, Game One Stanley Cup Final betcast on Wednesday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern, Tampa Bay, Colorado, Game 1. Looking forward to that. A great show. Thanks to Brian Lee, our special guest. I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Monday. Enjoy the games and good luck. We'll talk to you again Wednesday for our next live show of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.